We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Spins away, baseline shot, Shea puts it in, and walks it off in OKC. Giddy keeps it himself and takes it up as he glides with the finger roll. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast Edition. I am your host for tonight, Justin, as the Thunder fall in Indiana to the Pacers, 117 to 121. We are proudly part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and DailyThunder.com. If you don't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. The Thunder came into Indiana needing a win. The fourth game of the so-called four-game easy stretch left on their schedule. Shortly after dropping an unexplainable game to the Charlotte Hornets, much like the Dallas Mavericks, who we thought had given the Thunder a favor in the standings. Instead, Oklahoma City finds themselves not where they planned to be. After beating Detroit on a miracle last second shot, they head to Indiana against the Miles Turnerless Pacers, a game in which the Thunder very much needed to win. We look at the play in standings, but instead, as you just heard, Oklahoma City falls by four. Before I go too deep, let's talk what our five takeaways are. Number one, setting the pace. Number two, sweet threesus. Number three, defenseless performance. Number four, the core. And number five, play in or play out. Before we break those down, let's go through a game summary. If you did not get to watch this game, here's what you missed. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, returning from an injury, came out aggressive, came out punching, scored 10 extremely quick points in this game, had 20 before you knew it, looked like he was taking over, was playing at a ridiculous level to start this game, doing everything that Shea does. Oklahoma City back and forth with the Pacers despite Shea's heroics. They hammered the paint. They hammered the paint. They hammered the paint. A good strategy. And yet, it kind of felt like they just hammered the paint because they couldn't do anything else. Oklahoma City scores 61 
in the first half without a single made three-pointer, which seems hard to do. They they head into halftime down just a few points to the Pacers. Impressive, considering that they were 0 of 13 from behind the arc. It felt like if Oklahoma City can get anywhere around an average output from three, they're very much in a good spot in this in this game. So what happens after halftime? Oklahoma City comes out and they start faster. Again, a little back and forth with the Pacers, but then Oklahoma City starts to extend a little bit. They hit like three threes. Lenny Waters hit two of them. It looked like the averages were climbing a little bit. Oklahoma City gets a seven-point lead late in the third, head to the fourth with a four-point lead. And then what happened? Things slowed down. Indiana slowed the game down, slowed the pace down. Oklahoma City wasn't getting the amount of transition baskets that they were in the first three quarters, and they honestly, they started to separate. And pretty early in the fourth, Thunder Twitter was in full meltdown mode. The game was over, but as this team always does, the game is not over. When Thunder Twitter says it's over, they fought, they got back in it, they took the lead late in the fourth, and went back and forth again with the Pacers down the stretch. Ultimately, though, this team did Similar to what it did the last time I covered a game against the Lakers, they made too many mistakes down the stretch. The team's youth was on full display. None more obvious than J-Dub airmailing the pass on the last second uh, chance to, to have a shot to tie this game late. He threw it way too early, way too far, sailed over Isaiah Joe's head. They had plenty of time that he didn't need to throw it so far. It's just, it's inexperience on full display. You also had Shea playing with five fouls late in this game. Uh, and if you watched him on the defensive end, that was a huge impact, huge impact, because he was not good on defense all day, but he was awful when he had five fouls. He was single-handedly responsible for the Pacers getting quite a few buckets down the stretch when the Thunder needed stops. They'd gotten a few stops. They had some five-second calls. They got turnovers. It looked like things were starting to click as Oklahoma City fought back in it. But Shea with five fouls made it too easy for the Pacers to get some buckets down the stretch and ultimately was too much to overcome for the Thunder. The Thunder come out of the easy stretch two and two. Not great, especially when you felt pretty good about how they came out of the hard stretch at two and two. (laughs) There's a theme here. The Thunder have four games to go. Will they go two and two? Will that be enough? Find out next time on Dragon Ball Z. But for tonight, let's dive into the big takeaways. Number one, setting the pace. Oklahoma City is at its best when they are forcing turnovers and playing fast in transition, especially a night like tonight where you can't hit a three-pointer to save your life. Getting easy buckets in transition is crucial. Crucial. Oklahoma City did pretty well in the first three quarters. And then the fourth, I don't have the stats to back this up, but I don't think they got any fast break points in the fourth. If they did, it was very, very few. They end up with 31 fast point, fast break points on the night. Most of those, like I said, if not all, coming in the first three quarters. Oklahoma City was getting easy baskets. They had a ridiculous number of points in the paint. Um, They had... Wow, my internet's lagging. 72 points in the paint tonight for Oklahoma City compared to 46 for the Pacers. For a team that's undersized, you would expect that that balance to be flipped. 
Oklahoma City was doing what they could to get inside, and a lot of those were coming in transition off of turnovers, off of easy plays coming fast. And when Oklahoma City controlled the pace, the irony against the Pacers, they did well. Oklahoma City did well when they could control the pace, and I think that's been a theme. I had a very similar talking point the last game I covered, the Lakers game, when they can't push it the offense struggles a bit. I think that that goes back to a number of things, but most notably my second big takeaway, sweet freezes. This team cannot hit an outside shot to save their life lately. Oklahoma city tonight. O of 13 from three in the first half. What do you think might happen if you go O of 13 in the first half on three pointers? Would you expect that team to shoot 17 threes in the second half? Now I get it. That's a bit deceptive because some of those came late when they were trying to get back in it. But I, I, I would hope that number goes down, right? Like you were having success getting inside. Maybe we shouldn't keep chucking. The numbers didn't get much better after O of 13 in the first half. They go four of 17 in the second half which means they missed 13 three-pointers in both halves. They just happened to make four of them in the second half. Two of those came from Lindy Waters. Over the last two games, probably nobody stands out worse on the stat sheet than Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe, O of 15 from behind the arc. O of 8 tonight, O of 7 in the last game against the Pistons. Following a game against the Hornets where he hit six, I think it was. Six or seven. It's not like a long-term stretch, but two games in a row going over on seven and eight attempts is not good. Especially when Joe has looked so reliable all season. That's a little concerning. And I think that has a lot to do with lowering the team's overall output. They had really relied on Joe to be that three-point marksman. When you remove that from the offense, it gets very glaring. It gets very, very glaring, and it changes the way the defense plays Oklahoma City. There were multiple times tonight where Oklahoma City could have or did have wide open looks. It's not like all these threes were contested. It's not like they were you know, tough shots that Indiana was swarming them. No, they were just clanging. They were clanging. And I think that's what makes it so tough when you watch this game late It felt like all of a sudden Shea decided now's the time I'm going to take some threes. He he started forcing step back threes late down the stretch when earlier in the game, he caught the ball at the top of the key wide open and could have made a sandwich back there with, with Indiana just chose not to close out. And instead he tries to drive kicks out to Lindy waters who shoots a contested three, three feet behind the arc as the shot clock winds down. It's just, it was in their heads, I think. And it it created bad decisions. And this team doesn't have enough superstars to overcome that. They're young. They've succeeded because the young guys have performed well. Guys like Isaiah Joe have been able to fill out that role. When he's not doing that, it's very stark. And I think it, it, it makes the contrast between when this team is clicking just so apparent. This team needs all the role players delivering at a night like tonight where most of them, if not all of them, were not doing so. It's tough. It's tough to overcome. Oklahoma City 
cannot shoot 13% from three and expect to win a game against anybody. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter what their standings are. Doesn't matter if they're tanking. Doesn't matter if they want to be in the playoffs or the play-in or the NBA finals. You can't shoot four of 30 and expect to win a game. Takeaway number three, defenseless performance. Oklahoma City has looked disengaged lately on defense. If you want to look for a catalyst to that, it could be Kenny Hustle not being out there. Since Kenrich's injury, things have taken a downturn. But I don't think it's fair to point to that alone. This team has just looked out of sorts. The communication and the identity that they had formed on defense early in the season has just not been there. I think there's probably a lot of things at play, and I am not smart enough to diagnose most of them. But some of the things that went through my mind watching this team tonight, again, very similar to recent games that we've seen from this team. There's a definite pattern of overhelping, late closeouts, leaving guys wide open. There was a there was a possession tonight pretty late in the game. Indiana, I think it was Nimhard, had a wide open three-pointer. And when you looked at the blue jerseys, all five of them were in the paint. All five of the, the Thunder players were in the paint. And at the last second, one guy's sprinting out to the three-point line to try to get on Nimhard, and he hits a wide open three. I think part of it is the Thunder's lack of size on defense. They're overhelping when guys get into the paint to try to compensate for the lack of rim protection. Obligatory Chet Holmgren's at home comment. Obviously, you have a guy that could help that. But without him, because you don't have him, Oklahoma City has to kind of swarm guys when they get inside. They have to they have to team up to try to shut down those buckets. And, excuse me. <coughs> try to try to team up to stop those guys in the paint. And what that does is it leaves people open on the outside. When they're over helping inside, it's leading opponents to get very, very easy outside buckets. That's been a definite theme for this team. They're also just not, they don't seem like they're communicating as well as they ha- as they used to. Tonight, Shea got absolutely rocked on a screen. And that that's a little concerning. It's one play, but like, you got to communicate. You got to call that screen out. Shea should not be getting shell-shocked like that when he's trying to run down the court. This team's just not quite operating on that same level that they were defensively. The last thing that I think is adding up, March was a bananas month for this team's schedule. They played 17 games in 31 days. Today is the last day of March. If you're listening to this on Saturday, happy April Fool's Day. The Thunder played a ton of games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The Thunder get to take their foot off the gas a little bit. That's my only silver lining out of this stretch. The games get harder. The stretch is not easy that they have remaining, but it is more spread out. They have a little more time. They have a little more rest. I think tired legs can show up big like they did tonight in missing three-pointers, in being slow and rotating on defense, not closing out on three-point shooters, all those things that have felt like they're plaguing the Thunder the last few games could have a lot to do with tired legs. Dignot's been playing shorter rotations in most games. <laughs> Questionable in some games. But in most games lately, he's been shortening the rotation a bit. Getting a little more playoff-like. Guys are playing more minutes. More minutes late in the season. Tired legs. there's something there. You also have to take into account a lot of these guys are young, like an 82 game season for the guys that are coming out of college or like Giddy coming out of Australia. They're just not used to that. And the guys that have been in the league, like Shea, he's never played this many games other than his rookie year. He, He hasn't been involved in like meaningful basketball this late in the season. This is uncharted territory for everybody. So not only are the expectations there, but I think the wear and the physical toll on the body is really manifesting itself on the defensive end of the floor. So like I said, my only silver lining here is that maybe a little extra rest starts to see the defense and the three-point shooting return to form a bit, but it still is not excusable. The Thunder have to be better. They have to be better down the stretch if they want an opportunity to keep playing in game 83. The next takeaway, number four, the core. Shea, Giddy, Dub. The core of the future of the Thunder had a great game tonight. Shea, 39 points off 11 of 22 shooting, nine boards, four assists, one steal, one block, six fouls. He did end up fouling out late. He did force some threes late, 0 of 2 from behind the arc. 17 of 17 at the free throw line as he does. He was being aggressive. He was getting into the paint. He was drawing contact. I would have liked to see him and the Thunder 
prioritize that more late. Felt like when the pressure when the pressure was on late in the game, they defaulted to three-pointers, which with aforementioned three-point shooting tonight, not a great strategy. I would have liked to continue to see them be aggressive. Very late in the game, Shea had a, a golden opportunity uh, down on the block, his favorite shot, similar to the shot that he buried the, buried the Trailblazers with earlier in the year that you heard in our intro. It's a, it was a it was a makeable shot. It was close. It didn't go in. It happens. It happens. Shea played a very solid game tonight. Like I said, he came out extremely aggressive early on in this one. And I hope to see that level of Shea Gilgis Alexander the rest of the way. And I think we will. I'm glad to see him healthy. I hope he doesn't miss any more games um, because Oklahoma City has a shot anytime Shea Gilgis Alexander is playing. Next guy, Josh Giddy. 21 points for Giddy tonight, 9 of 19 shooting, 7 boards, 4 assists. Giddy does some nice work in 33 minutes tonight. He's had a solid stretch of games. Giddy's been playing really well. Uh, he, coming off a little bit of a rough patch. I think he's playing really solid basketball. Uh, he's making nice passes. He's scoring well. Two or sorry, one of four from behind the arc tonight. Two of four from the free throw line. You don't love both of those numbers. But overall, you're getting really good minutes out of Josh Giddy. Uh, using his size more and more. I feel like you, there's at least one moment every game where you see Giddy use his big frame to his advantage, which you love to see. Again, similar to other recent games, Giddy got caught with a five-second call late in the game trying to inbound the ball. Ironically, just a few possessions after they had forced Indiana into a five-second call, the youth is going to pop up. It's going to creep up on you. That's what happened there. Similar to him throwing the ball away the other night late in the game. You got to clean up those late game mistakes, but it happens. The game wasn't decided on that play. Overall, Josh Giddy with a really solid performance. And last but not least, J-Dub, 14 points off 6 of 10 shooting, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, and 2 steals. Honestly, on a night like tonight, I want to see J-Dub take more than 10 shots. 6 out of 10 is great. 14 points is solid. You look up and down this roster and the way that guys contributed or didn't contribute. When J-Dub was being aggressive and driving to the basket, he looked really good. I want to see more of it. I want to see J-Dub take over more often, especially if you're not getting it elsewhere. I, I don't need him to take over every game if other people are contributing. But the problem is other people weren't contributing. The three-headed monster of Shea, Giddy, and Dub, 74 points of the Thunder's 117, which means everybody else scored 43. And if you take out Lou Dort's 12, 31 points from the bench tonight. Not great. Not great at all, especially when TJ McConnell for the Pacers is lighting you up for 21. I get it. Different situations, not apples to apples. Oklahoma City has a great core in Giddy, Dub, and Shea. They needed the other guys tonight. And there was plenty of opportunity there. Lou Dort, 37 minutes. Wiggins, 28 minutes. Joe, 25 minutes. Lindy Waters, 17 minutes. Jay Will, 15. Poku, 10. Even Jang at seven, though Jang, I think, played pretty well in those seven minutes. 
This team did not get contributions from the bench outside of the core, and they're going to need that. Again, it's got to be everybody pulling in the same direction down this last stretch of basketball if the Thunder want to find themselves in the postseason. Nights like tonight, you can get great performances from that core, but you need the contributions from everybody else to round it out, or you're going to get beat by teams like the Indiana Pacers, who have a bunch of guys that have nothing to lose. It's it's ironic being on the flip side of things after what the Thunder did the last couple years, stealing games they shouldn't have stolen, trying to tank but winning anyway. Like the Thunder are on the flip side of that now, and it's extremely annoying. But you got to come out and deliver. It's the NBA. Anybody can beat anybody. Which feels like a great segue. Takeaway number five, play in or play out. Oklahoma City, currently in the Western Conference standing, sitting at 10th still. They own the tiebreaker over the Dallas Mavericks. They now sit a mere half game above the Mavericks. Both teams with 40 losses. Oklahoma City with 38 wins. Dallas with 37 wins. They're a game and a half above Utah. Feels like they're flirting with Dallas, right? Like Down the stretch, Thunder and Dallas are going to be competing for this play-in spot. The two teams are intertwined. Thankfully, Oklahoma City owns the tiebreaker. Oklahoma City, I should mention the other side of the equation, looking looking up one game back from the Lakers, one and a half back from the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. Let's look at schedules. Let's see what lies ahead for the Thunder and the Mavericks. If you look at Tankathon, the toughest remaining opponents... Oklahoma City, seventh hardest schedule of any team remaining. Dallas, 21st. 21st hardest schedule. So let's compare those. Oklahoma City returns home Sunday afternoon against Phoenix before heading on the road to Golden State, then heading up to Utah and returning home for the season finale against Memphis. Tough teams on the slate left for the Thunder. The Jazz, probably throwing in the towel. Phoenix, probably going to be tough. Phoenix is jostling for playoff position. They're currently in fourth, a half game up on the Clippers. Phoenix is going to try to win that game. Golden State, similar. They're in sixth, a game up on the Pelicans and Timberwolves, trying to avoid the play-in. Warriors are going to be trying to win that game. Memphis is the only question mark for me. Memphis, a great team, second best team in the Western Conference. They might have their playoff seating secured in that last game of the season. Maybe they're not trying to win that game. That could be a sneaky opportunity for the Thunder that's worth keeping our eyes on. Looking at Dallas on the flip side, Dallas heads to Miami tomorrow evening, Atlanta on Sunday, Wednesday against Sacramento, Friday against the Bulls, and Sunday against the Spurs. Bulls and Spurs should be winnable. This team, who knows? Nothing is anything with the Mavericks. Nothing is guaranteed, much like the Thunder, but worse. Miami's going to be a tough game. Atlanta could be a tough game. Sacramento could be a tough game. Again, similar caveat to Memphis. 
Maybe Sacramento's not playing at full strength in the third to last game of the season. San Antonio's going full Wimby. Chicago, maybe. Uh, they're pretty pretty well locked into the 10th seed in the East in the play-in. They might be doing some jostling, trying to get up to eight or nine, potentially, but that, that one could be pretty well locked in, too. It feels like the Thunder have some work to do. Dallas has some opportunities ahead of them. They have to take advantage, which they have not taken advantage of very many things lately. They've lost a lot of games, including five of their last six. But Dallas is going to win some games. I would say two feels safe. Three feels maybe. Four if you're feeling feisty. If Dallas wins four of their last five games, a big if, a big if, Oklahoma City probably doesn't make the play-in. However, two, which feels pretty realistic. Like if I had to, if I had to bet on it right now, I, I'd pick Dallas to go two and three down the stretch. If Dallas goes two and three down the stretch, Oklahoma City needs to go two and three down the stretch. Or sorry, two and two down the stretch. Pardon me. They need to go two and two down the stretch. Or no, if math live on the pod is dangerous. If the Mavs go two and three, the Thunder only need to go one and three down the stretch because they own the tiebreaker. Does that change how you feel about making the play-in? It kind of does to me, once I could actually figure out the math. Oklahoma City is going to beat Utah. They could beat Memphis. Another two and two stretch, a third two and two stretch to round out this season could get you in the play-in. The Mavs are going to Mavs. Who knows what happens with them? It's hard to protect. You can't play based off of that. All that to say, as much as you wanted the Thunder to go 4-0, or at least 3-1, like I said last week at this time, they go 2-2. The dream is not dead. Oklahoma City still has a very real shot at making the play. And yes, amen in the chat. I was told there would be no math. Listen, believe it or not, I was the president of the math club in high school. My, how the mighty have fallen. Oklahoma City has a real shot at the play-in. People on Twitter that are saying they lost, it's time to tank. There's no point in tanking. At best, at best, you get an 11th, maybe 12th, but probably not even 12th. So Oklahoma City will not be tanking. They are not pulling the plug. They have real incentive to try and make the play-in because the alternative doesn't look much different than if they're one, one game out looking in. A lot to tune in for, a lot to keep an eye on. It's hard to believe that we're coming up on the last week of the regular season. What a ride it has been. I appreciate y'all. More people in the in the stream than I thought there'd be on a Friday night after a bad loss to the Pacers. I appreciate all of you. If you don't already, sub to the YouTube, sub to the pod. Come hang with us after every Thunder game. Only got four left. If you've never been on a live stream, now's your time. Especially come back Sunday after the Phoenix game. We're going to do our weekly show, get the whole game together, break down this week that was and what a week it was. And the final week of the regular season, there's going to be so much to talk about heading towards the hopefully, probably, maybe, potentially play-in games for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us, as always. Have a great weekend in Thunder Road.